Today on Lockdown Red Wings, we bring on Tony Ferrari as he suffers with us at the news that the Chicago Blackhawks are picking number one, but your Detroit Red Wings did not fall. They stick Pat at number nine. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. And today we are very happy. The only thing we're happy about in this episode is the fact that we have a fantastic guest in Tony Ferrari joining us today. Tony of the, the Hockey News. How are you doing, Tony? Uh, I'd be doing better if my least favorite option to win the draft lottery <laughs> ended up winning the draft lottery. But uh, aside from that, pretty good. It's getting to the busy season. So uh, lots of work ahead. We are right there with you. Scotty, how are you feeling? Hey, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, I mean, obviously Chicago winning the, the lottery was, uh, I think, all of our, like, you know, worst case scenarios. So that kind of sucks. Uh, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about that at length. But um, I honestly, I, my biggest thing for, from a Wings perspective was just not fall back. I, I never thought in a million years they were going to they were going to let us move up. But um, I, I just didn't want to fall back. So us standing pat, I, I'm totally fine with. We can, uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about uh, a good player we can get there. I, I know we have a fantastic guest in Tony with us right now. Uh, and usually I set up a question and just throw it right to Tony. But I am like bursting with some emotion right now. And I just got to get it off my chest. I'm going to come across <laughs> as the saltiest Red Wings fan in the world. And to be honest, I am salty. I am absolutely salty, and I feel as if I'm a little deservedly so. And the reason I am salty, guys, is because of the fact that the Red Wings, for what was it, five, six straight drafts, in 2017, they dropped two. In 2018, they dropped one. In 2019, they dropped two. Detroit dropped three spots in 2020 from first to fourth in the Lafreniere draft, which is which also isn't even possible anymore. Which isn't even possible. It's not even allowed. Like they were like, that's actually really messed up. We should, we're not even going to think that. No team should have to go through that ever again. They literally changed how it went because the Red Wings got screwed so hard. And so since then, the Red Wings have stayed pat. They, in 2021, 2022, and now in 2023, they stayed pat. I'm not upset about staying pat. They had a 5% chance at staying still. But the fact that the Chicago Blackhawks, which Tony, I know you said your least favorite option. I think it's everybody's consensus least favorite option to have won the number one overall pick. One, because of all the controversy. Two, because they've had success somewhat recently. I mean, their last cup came in 2015. But the cherry on top is that this is like literally their two stars finally retired this year. Or, I mean, Taze is an official and Kane went on to the Rangers, but they're gone now. And they bottom out for the first time ever, like actually commit to bottoming out. And they immediately get rewarded when the Red Wings have only ever gotten punished. I'm not upset about not moving up. I'm upset that the team I despise, probably tied number one of the Toronto Maple Leafs, immediately gets rewarded when the Red Wings have never, and you said this, Scotty, before we started recording, Red Wings have never drafted in the top three in the entirety of this rebuild. So yes, I admit it. I am a salty Red Wings fan. <laughs> Tony, what are your thoughts? There? What are your thoughts? <laughs> My, well, first off, I agree with everything you said. It, it sucks to see the Red Wings still not get that top three pick. 
like they've done a really good job of finding the gem in every draft. It seems it, getting Lucas Raymond at four worked out really well. I think he's obviously been better than than Lafreniere and Byfield to start their NHL careers. I think both of them still have promise ahead, but there's still a lot to work through in that draft class. And then getting more insider in that draft class, I don't think you were looking at getting a, a number one defenseman in that draft, and then you did, and that's a great thing as well. I think uh, uh, they the Red Wings have done really good at drafting where they've had to kind of draft where the, the the pieces have laid but man like they, this could have been that chance to get that elite talent for them and, and, and not getting it sucks with that said i think the people in anaheim are probably as salty as you because you go back to that 2005 sydney crosby lottery and they're sitting yes. there waiting again and, and yet again they end up with the number two overall pick and, and don't get me wrong i think adam fantilli is an absolutely fantastic prospect I think he's a lot closer than, to Bedard than a lot of people are giving him credit for. I think he's a guy that's going to change the Anaheim Ducks franchise. But it's still kind of just, ah, it sucks a little bit to see them uh, sit at two again in, in the, the Red Wings sit at nine while the Chicago Blackhawks, who seem to be, I, I, I'm not going to say it was rigged, but it seems to be favorable for them. I'll say yes. that. Well, and you talked too about with the Red Wings getting screwed, you look at teams like obviously the Blackhawks this year, but the Rangers, the year they made the playoffs because the playoffs got expanded, the year the Red Wings got screwed, jumped all the way up from a playoff spot to number one. And I understand they wouldn't have made the playoffs if they hadn't expanded. Yeah. But the fact that they made it, made them playoff eligible, but then also made them draft lottery eligible, not just draft lottery eligible, but also like gave them the best odds because they did that weird double lottery thing. It was it's, Team X. Do you remember Team, team X. X wins the lottery? Yes. And, and <laughs> Team X, like all those teams that did, weren't assigned yet had a collective 50% chance at winning over one number one overall. It made no sense the way that they did it. And it all just served to punch the Red Wings fans in the mouth. And, you know, I don't want – because the Red Wings at nine still, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, after – Sounds like mostly me, but after we all get all our, our all our complaints off the chest, we'll talk about what the Red Wings can do at nine. But it is certainly a, a frustrating thing. But you're right, Tony. I mean, I was talking with some friends. Adam Fantilli. As much as it sucks not getting number one overall, Adam Fantilli, I think, would be the number one overall pick in any other year that's not 2015 with the Connor McDavid, and then what was it, 2017 or 2016 with Austin Matthews with back to back years. Outside of those two years, I think Fantilli would be number one pick. Maybe you can maybe make a case for Hughes too, but Fantilli's that good. And that's a yeah. hell of a concession prize to get, consolation prize. Yeah, he's he's absolutely fantastic. I, I look at his game, and he, in my opinion, he's the most complete player in the draft. I think the fact that he's going to be the second overall pick is going to boost all second overall picks over the next 10 years. It's going to be one of those things where we all look at the first overall picks and expect that immediate kind of impact that the guys like Austin Matthews guys that Connor and David made when they came to the league. Now we look at guys like Lafreniere and, and, and even Jack Hughes in this first couple of years and go, well, you're garbage. You haven't, you haven't done anything yet. You're, you haven't come in and changed this franchise. And I think a guy like Adam Vantilli has the ability to do that for the second overall pick. I think people are going to look over the next couple of years and be like, well, you're a second overall pick. Why aren't you doing what Fantilli did last year? And that's, that's the other thing with Fantilli is does he go right away? I think Depending on where he landed, the, the decision's still up in the air for him. I know I've talked to him a couple times about it this year. And one of the big things is if the situation doesn't make sense to go right to the NHL, and I think Anaheim's one of those situations, 
what, does he go back another year, play at Michigan, and come into towards the end of the year, and then start to make an impact? It's it's going to be an interesting decision for him because it's certainly going to be a choice as to whether or not he stays in college. If if I'm making a, a guess, and this is purely a guess at this point, I think he might lean towards staying in college at this point and wow. let the Ducks kind of have another mediocre-ish year and then come in at the end, show what he can do, and, and really be an impact player towards the end of the next season. Well, I I have a, a soft spot for the Ducks that I talk about all the time. So it was, it was kind of a, a little bit of a double-edged sword to see not only them uh, fall to two, but also, you know, uh, obviously we've talked about Chicago getting one, but – uh, as someone who who avidly follows like the University of Michigan hockey team, I mean that 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 was kind of exciting in the same breath. You know what I mean? Like this weird like double-edged sword. Where, like I I wanted the Ducks. Like I want good things to happen to the Ducks, but at the same time, you, you know, like they fell, which sucks. But now, like you know, the best player on my favorite college hockey team is now going to uh, to, to the Ducks. So a, a weird kind of pool of emotions. The uh, the Ducks. Fan base, obviously, as you said earlier, is is probably not too happy. But I, I still think, just to reiterate your point, like not falling to three was was absolutely massive for the Anaheim Ducks tonight. Because I, I think while there's still a, a lot of good players in that you know three, four, five range, uh, them missing out on Bedard but still guaranteeing themselves Fantilli is is not should not be overlooked in the same sense. Yeah, and, and honestly, this might be a little bit of a hot take, but I think there's a world where five, six years from now, we're debating as to whether these, what, which of these two are the better player overall. Wow. I think you, you look at Connor Bedard, he's going to be a guy that maybe scores 50 goals, puts 110 points up, has some kind of deficiencies on the defensive end of the, of the ice. Maybe he's pushed off to the wing or something like that. It, it, th- those are possibilities in his career. Whereas Adam Fantilli, I wouldn't be shocked to a 100-point guy and then when you're looking at the difference between those two, that, that those 10 points and Fantilli's still playing center. He, he's a big, a big body who plays a power game plays with that McKinnon esque speed where he plays downhill, like a running back. He is good defensively as well. You look at the overall impact and you go, we may lean Bedard because of the flash, the flare, and just the game breaking ability that he has. But when you look at the overall impact, it, it may not be all that quite, like crazy to say Adam Fantilli has a, certainly a case in that argument. Absolutely. Uh, so we got to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more. I want to mention, we talk about how the ducks kind of got screwed, but the Columbus blue jackets also <laughs> fell in this draft and they fell from an opportunity at Bedard or Fantilli to not getting neither of those. So I want to talk about them and their situation, but first got to talk to you guys today about indeed. There is no I in team, but there is one in indeed. And that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. We streamline hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data U.S., Indeed does the hard work for you. Indeed shows you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hit higher faster. Even better, they're the only job site where you can only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Offer good for a limited time. Again, claim that $75 job credit 
right now at indeed.com slash locked on terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed segment two locked on red wings podcast we are joined by the hockey news is tony ferrari and tony once again thank you so much for joining us on this um eventful day that's that's the good way of putting it i think <laughs> i, I want to mention too so we mentioned a lot about how we hate the fact that Hates a strong. No, I hate it. We hate the fact that Chicago Blackhawks <laughs> moved up. Uh, that we feel bad for the Anaheim Ducks somewhat because they they absolutely got kind of washed in this draft lottery. But also the Columbus Blue Jackets fell from likelihood of drafting two to three. So now they're out of Fantilli and Bedard. Looking at their roster and their construction right now, I mean, obviously their number one player on the payroll and on the roster is Johnny Goudreau you know, how much of an impact would those guys had and what are they losing now, now that they don't have those guys. And I guess how I'll throw in there too, you know, who do they look at? Well, I think first off, what are they losing? They're obviously losing two really high end impact players that I think are pretty much guaranteed to be at least franchise players in Bedard and Fantilli. Um, looking at that roster, they really lack center depth. I think that's always, that's been the big thing for them seemingly forever, honestly. But they have a lot of really quality wingers. I think Ken Johnson's a great winger. I think Cole Sillinger can be a second-line center, but he could also play on the wing at times. Uh, you look at Johnny Goudreau, Patrick Laine, Kirill Marchenko. They have a ton of guys who can play the wing. That that center depth is a big issue for them. And, and thankfully, this is a draft that has a lot of legitimate center prospects. I think most drafts, that I mean, you look back at when the Leafs drafted Mitch Marner, they drafted him as a center. But that guy was never playing center at the NHL level. So... I think there's a lot of teams that go into the draft, draft guys that are centers, and, and then they don't play. This year, there's a lot of guys that I think are going to play center, and that starts with the top of the, who I think should be on their wish list in Leo Carlson, a guy that is absolutely fantastic. I, I almost like him to a poor man's Adam Fantilli because he has a lot of the same elements to his game. He doesn't have quite the downhill attacking speed that, that Adam Fantilli has, but he's excellent off the boards. He plays a game that blends power and speed. There have been multiple times this year where he's gone in on two defenders on a breakaway or, or, or on like a, a short man rush, and he dekes the one defender, throws the other on his back, and makes a great play at the net to, to either score a goal or or just draw attention and, and feed, feed the puck to a, a trailing teammate. An excellent playmaker. I think he is a guy that you may look at and go, he's going to score 30 goals, but he could have 60 assists. I think that's the top end of his game. I think – the comparisons to guys like Matt Sundin, Peter Forsberg, uh, all these different guys are, are apt. I think they're they're realistic high ends for this guy. They're, he's a very, very good player. And this 20, 2023 draft is going to, I think, in my opinion, going to end up looking at that 2015 draft or that 2003 draft where you look down the board and you have a lot of really, really high-end impact players. And I think the fact that Leo Carlson's going to be a guy that goes third, fourth overall, just goes to show that because I think he's another guy that you look at some of these other drafts aside from maybe the, the Jack Hughes draft, the Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, does Leo Carlson go ahead of a guy like Nico Heeshear? Does he go ahead of a guy like Aaron Ekblad? Does he go ahead of various guys like Alexi Lafreniere even? I think he does. I think Leo Carlson's that good of a player. So I think even at third, third overall, they're getting a first overall pick player with that said, it, it still stings a little bit not getting a guy that can absolutely change your franchise for the next decade and a half with Fantilli and Bedard. Yeah, for sure. Do you, uh, 
I'm down to go with what Red Wings if you're yeah, uh, let's do it, else, Brian. Okay, nope, cool. that's good. Uh, awesome. Perfect. So I, I think I mean obviously we talked at the beginning and everybody that is watching this is well aware. Like Wings are staying at nine. Uh, we've done a few prospect profi- profiles so far, but that was also without knowing where we were going to be. So we were kind of all over the board with you know players that maybe are mocked to go like four through six range, give or take some, and then all the way back to you know players who are mocked at like twenty or whatever. So. Tell us at nine, who can we expect, I guess, to be on the board in that range? And then eventually, if you just want to take the wheel, you know, who uh, who might you like as a fit for the wings there? I think looking at it, I'll, I'll give you best case, worst case, and sure. what I think could happen. I think best case scenario, the, the wings see guys like Oliver Moore or Will Smith fall down to them at nine. I, I don't think it happens. I think Oliver Moore is a possibility there, but... Best case, I think Will Smith falls. For whatever reason, teams don't like the way he interviews. Teams don't like whatever. They go back in his tape, and they they find some deficiencies, like the fact that he doesn't play defense at all. But there are deficiencies in his games that I think teams could shy away from. He is he's a six-foot center, but six-foot is kind of generous. He's not a huge guy by any means. So teams could shy away from that as well. There have been people both on the public and private side that have both kind of convinced me that there's a, a belief a little bit at least that this guy could play wing at the next level as well so that kind of d- downgrades his possibility with that said i don't think he, he's there but that is kind of the best case for the wings worst case scenario the wings go completely off the board and they 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 kind of reach for a guy that maybe had a great u18s dalbert Dvorsky, for example and, and they go this is a guy that we're just happy with we know he's going to play nhl games we're not worried about the upside the impact that he could have on the roster and I think they've done that already in a guy like Marco Casper, who I think is an absolutely fantastic player, but they went for the safe pick. I think this year you kind of got to reach for that, that high upside guy. And I think when you get to that realistic pick, Oliver Moore is a good guy, guy like I like there. Zach Benson's a guy like there. Ryan Leonard as well. Two of the three of those guys are all NTDP guys. I think even if they want to go for defenseman, Axel Sandin Palika is a really high-end offensive defenseman, really smart player. He's developed his defensive game a lot this year. He's a guy that understands how to manipulate players on the offensive end of the ice and in transition. I think he'd be a really interesting add for the Red Wings as well. So there's a lot of options in this range. Like I said, I told you guys before the show that my, my board kind of goes from about 5 to 11, and it's all guys that I think could realistically be good picks for the Red Wings. Quinton Musty, I mentioned earlier. Gavin Brindley would be a kind of that reach pick that I mentioned earlier, but he was a guy that had a great World Junior uh, Championship and then blew up in the second half of the season. Uh, in the second half of the year, he was, I think he was fourth or fifth in points per game in the, at the NCAA level. A guy that was legitimately boosting Adam Fantilli's stock in, in, in the progress playing with that uh, Michigan team. Then there's the dark horse of Dmitry Simashev. I think he's the guy that I think would be really interesting for the wings. Obviously, depth chart-wise, he doesn't quite fit the mold that they're looking for, but this is a guy that has all of the tools. I think he's the guy that you look at and you go, okay, the production isn't there, but everything else is. If you put him in a better environment, an environment that is going to give him the open pass when he cuts into the slot or is going to allow him to kind of create offensively a little bit more, this guy could be a really special player. So there's a lot of guys in this range for the Red Wings, and I think they're going to get a really good player, a guy that, like I said earlier, this was a deep draft. I wouldn't be shocked if a lot of these guys are top five caliber players that the Wings end up getting at nine. Yeah, so my, my question then is because 
looking at most mock drafts, it's a really forward heavy draft. You mentioned Palinka, but there there's a not that there's not a lot, a lot of defensemen. I mean, especially juxtaposed to last year where you saw what three defensemen go in the top 10, maybe even more. I could be misremembering correctly. You might not get more than one in the top 10 this year. That being said, what do you see as the Red Wings biggest need? Scotty and I have our own beliefs, but we kind of want it. We don't want it. We don't want to twist what you think. What do you think the Red Wings biggest need is as a team going forward to really take them to that next level? I think the big thing is center. I think that's always going to be the big hole for the Red Wings. I think Marco Casper is a very good player and he could be a second line center behind Dylan Larkin. But wouldn't it be nice if you had the luxury of playing Marco Casper as the third line center and, and you find a guy that can kind of fill that second line center void and and maybe truly be the 1B to, to Dylan Larkin's 1A. I think Dylan Larkin's proved himself over the last couple of years that he is a, a number one center, albeit probably still in the lower end of the number one center uh, graph if you want to put something in a chart or something. He's a very, very good center, and I think he he's truly is a number one guy. But having that one B behind him would be really interesting, like really, really good for the Red Wings. A guy like Will Smith, Oliver Moore, I think both those guys fit that mold. I also think defense, they could use another guy on the the, the right side, if I'm not mistaken, there. Um, they've got mm-hmm. a lot of guys on the left, and, and the, the, this is a draft that there's a ton of really good defensemen. I think the fact that they have that Islanders pick is going to be really big for them. They can go for that center in the top 10, not reach for a defenseman, and then grab whatever defenseman kind of falls out of that range. I think... Since 2003, we haven't seen a, a draft where a defenseman doesn't go in the top five. I think this year we could very well see a, a draft where a defenseman may not go in the top ten. I know teams are talking about David Reinbacher, mm-hmm. Mikhail Guliev, Dmitry Simishev, Sandy Palika, but I think some teams going to really have to fall in love with them inside the top ten to to really jump for one of those guys because I think the forward depth in this draft class just is so so insane. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll finish up our conversation with Tony Ferrari of the Hockey News, so stay tuned to Locked on Red Wings. Segment three, Locked on Red Wings podcast. We're talking to Tony Ferrari of the Hockey News. Scotty, got any questions for Tony? Yeah, I, honestly, I and this doesn't need to be Red Wings-centered specifically because, like, like the wings objectively do have a lot of assets, but when talking about like a draft that is this deep with so much ability to get like a, uh, uh, in other drafts, a higher end player, you know, maybe outside of the top two or three picks. Do, do you think that there is potential for like trading around and moving around picks in this draft? Or do you think honestly, maybe it's the opposite where teams are like, no, I can get a, uh, you know, a, a, top end you know top two type talent traditionally at four i'm gonna stand pat kind of a thing i think it's gonna be really interesting because it's gonna kind of show you what teams view as how close they are i think a team like detroit very well could go we're gonna give you a nine and 18 and move up to six or if a guy like will smith doesn't get picked at fifth i think with that said a team another team could be like ah we were a couple years away we were maybe missing a few pieces. Let's trade down from seven. Let's trade down from five. I can see a Montreal, even though they have another pick in the teens going, is the difference between Will Smith and Oliver Moore as much as people are making it seem. Can we get Oliver Moore at, at seven? If we trade out of the fifth spot, get seven and, and maybe get a later pick as well in the draft. And, and you kind of build up your draft stock, get a, a bunch of guys, because I do think there's going to be guys in the twenties that, that probably would be top 15 guys in, in other drafts. I think there's going to be a lot of guys in the second round that 
in a lot of years that would be fringe first rounders or would be like top 30 picks. And it's going to be really interesting. And I think even you can see a combination of that I think you can see a team like Detroit stand pat at, at nine, get their guy. And then at 18, if, if the defenseman they want isn't there, they go, ah, let's trade back a few picks. We couldn't get Sandy and Palika, so we, we'll get Luca Cagnoni, and we'll also grab William Willinder in the second round or something like that. Like, There's a lot of options for the Red Wings kind of going into this draft, and I think there, should, there probably will be a lot of trades and moving around of draft picks. I think we saw last year there a couple teams offload salary cap by just moving down in the draft 10 to 15 spots, and I think you'd see that again as well. It's going to be interesting because this draft is really deep. And if your guy just kind of gets picked a few spots before you, trade down and get a guy that has a similar profile. Yeah, I mean, this Detroit Red Wings team is in such a weird spot right now where they're they're trying to make that transition from a rebuilding team into a competitive team. And patience, and justifiably so, they haven't made the playoffs since 2016, second longest playoff drought in the NHL right now. Patience is starting to wear thin. And as much as I tell myself, you know, be patient, be patient. Like Eiserman really has yet to make a bad move. You can probably make, you could make an argument in hindsight about some of the things he's done, but a lot of his quote unquote bad moves have been low risk. Anyways, didn't lose much when they didn't pan out. So that being said, my point being here that a lot of Red Wings fans, myself included kind of do want to see assets get moved, especially in the second round when you have what 40, 41 and 42, three three second rounders consecutively, you have five top 50 picks. And while this is a deep draft and at nine, they could get like, like you said, some guys who, some guy who might in other years be a top five pick. There is that temptation there too. And somebody asked Eisman this during the post season media availability, like, is there a, a sense of urgency to maybe use those assets to get a pl- impact player now? And I guess the question I'm asking is, is do you think there's a player on the market that the Red Wings could target with all this assets? Because it, it, it takes two to tango. Is there any team that maybe Scotty and I are very favorable at the Winnipeg Jets? Is there a team like maybe Winnipeg that might be uh, willing to dance with you a little bit? I wouldn't be shocked. I think a team like Winnipeg, Winnipeg was the first team that came to mind, whether it's a Kyle Connor or even like a Mark Shifley, I think they could be open to dealing somebody this offseason. Um, I know it may not be the biggest thing that the Red Wings fans would love, but I think Toronto could be open for business. With the way their playoffs have absolutely imploded, do they move one of the big boys? Do they, I, I don't think it's Austin Matthews. I think he's the guy that kind of they try to keep stick around and they try to build around. But do they trade possibly the best contract in the NHL right now in William Nylander, who, who's been the one guy who – while he's not scoring just like the other guys, he's at least producing something in terms of generating chances. Whereas Mitch Marner's kicking the puck around and getting stolen from him, putting it in the back of his own net. Is he the guy that they go after? Is Mitch Marner the guy? There could be a number of options in Toronto as well. I think that could be an interesting trading partner. Um, Calgary is another interesting one. They just traded their, or just fired their coach. Their GM was like, nah, I'm leaving because y'all are keeping the coach. And then they fire the coach shortly after. And now they have absolutely no direction, basically. Do they look to go into a rebuild? Or despite the fact that they just signed Huberto to a long-term deal, they just signed uh, Uyghur to a long-term deal. Do they go, maybe we made a mistake, jumped the gun a little bit, and we got Nazem Kadri too soon. Do they want to get rid of a guy like Kadri? Does the 18th pick get you a guy like Kadri? There's a lot of intriguing guys out on the market on various teams. I think it'd be really interesting for the Wings to go after one of those guys because I think specifically Kadri as as 
a guy that uh, someone who's followed him through his entire career, loved him in Colorado, thought he was absolutely fantastic on that cup run. Could he be that answer and that bridge to playing that one B behind Dylan Larkin, allowing Marco Casper to be that, that number three center until Casper's able to take that step and Kadri can step back into that third line center. And then you kind of have some insulation built in for that center position. There's a lot of really intriguing options, but those are just a few of them that came to mind uh, off the spot. Honestly, my next one is just like super, super general, just because <laughs> I, I think I've asked you this each of the last three years now, drafts, and, and I, and I want to ask it again. Just flat out your favorite prospect in the entire draft. Doesn't matter when they're projected to go, when you think it could be a, a seventh-round pick for all I care. Who is just your favorite prospect in this draft? This is a good draft, and I'll stay away from the two guys that I like watching the absolute most, and that's Leo Carlson and Adam Fantilli because I've, I've sure. talked about them enough in this this, <laughs> this conversation already. Um, so I'll give you two guys that I really like. Gavin Brindley, who I mentioned earlier a little bit, absolutely tenacious forechecker, fantastic guy, a player who plays bigger than he is. He's listed at 5'9". I think he's a, a guy that plays like he's six foot. He gets establishes body position. He's one of the most ferocious forecheckers in this entire draft class. It, it coming into the season, he was asked to replace Frank Nazar, who was injured right before the season, and he stepped into those shoes and did a lot of the right thing. He, the process was all there. The, the stats weren't necessarily piling up on the score sheet, and I think that was a, a problem with a lot of people. They were like, ah, well, it's, he's small. He's not able to step into the big moment, blah, blah, blah. Went to the World Juniors, in my opinion, one of the most underrated parts of that U.S. team. And then he came back from the World Juniors and absolutely tore it up on, on, when he was moved to the wing. I think he's a guy that I think in in the future could play center, but I think he kind of does project really, really well as a winger. I think he does so many things exceptionally well on the wing. He's a plus defender in the, on the wing. I think he's just an average defender as a center. I think there's a lot of things he could do that would be absolutely fantastic. It's and This is spoiling my board a little bit, but that's why he's a top 12 player on my board. I think he's an absolutely fantastic player. And then the other guy I'll go with is Otto Stenberg, who's a guy that I've been really high on all season. It was great to see him go to that world under 18s and, and tie William Nylander's record for Swedish scoring with 16 points in seven games. The top non USNTDB top line player, um, just an absolutely fantastic offensive player. In transition, he's absolutely graceful with the puck. He's cerebral in the offensive zone. He cuts to the middle. He'll bait you one way and cut the other way. He loves to go across defenders' faces. And my favorite part about him is he has a little bit of an attitude on the ice. I remember going to a tournament in Plymouth earlier this year where the Swedes were in, in the States. He scored a goal off a defender's stick and against the U.S., and he went up to the, the U.S. player to shake their hand. And it was one of these things where it's like, ah, that was super, super arrogant. But also, that's <laughs> the kind of swagger you need to play in the NHL at a high level. If you're going to be a high-end offensive player, you need a little bit of that swagger. I think – He's a guy that has all the skill in the world playing much like Lucas Raymond up and down the lineup in Forlunda absolutely tore apart the J18 was very, very good against J20, but it was his SHL games where he only had a goal and I think two assists or something like that in the 12 or 13 games that really sold me on his play. He was doing all of the little things. He was establishing body position along the boards. He was forechecking extremely well. I actually just spoke to him last weekend and uh, did an interview with him and he was talking about all of the little intricacies that he had to learn at the SHL level, playing against men. 
he was able to learn from them as well. And I think that was the biggest thing is this is a guy that's actively learning on the fly. He's not a guy that's settling for his on his laurels. And he even said, going in, I knew I couldn't play the skill game right away. I had to go do the, the grunt work and do the gritty things. And then as I got more comfortable, as I got better in the SHL, I'm more comfortable playing just the men's game. I was able to bust out the skill moves. I was able to deke and dangle a little bit more and start to make plays. So this is a kid that's really intelligent, in my opinion. I think he'd be a really fantastic pick as well. Again, another top 15 player on my board that a lot of people probably have down towards the 20s. Interesting. Uh, so we, we got to start. We got to wrap things up here, Tony. But before we go, we do have to mention Jake Woolman will not be participating in Worlds for Team yeah. Canada yep. out with an upper body injury. Now, what that means for implications, if that has implications on the Red Wing season, we don't know yet. All I know is Red Wings players continue to get hurt even when nobody is playing. So, because Simon Edmondson just had shoulder surgery last week. So, who knows what's going to happen next year when, you know, one of your best defensemen and hopefully one of your best defensemen are already hurt before the season, before offseason even began. Uh, but I'm not going to overreact too much more than that. We don't know what it is. Other it than just this be... insane overreaction, I'm not going to overreact. Over, over. <laughs> I'm just frustrated. The Leafs haven't even lost in the playoffs yet. And you guys are already losing guys for next season. (laughs) I know. I just, it's, it's, I'm frustrated because how the night went, we don't know anything about what happened with Wolman. If it it could just be like a week to week thing. And by that time he's healthy, it's already over. Uh, But he is not playing for team Canada and worlds. And that's all we got for you on that subject. Cause that's all we know. So, Tony, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us on an emotional Monday evening as we record this literally right after the lottery ended. So that that was raw emotion from all of us. 830 Eastern, literally (laughs) right after. Yeah. Um, Tell us where people can find you, where they can read your stuff. I can find all my work at the hockey news. I'm going to have something coming out on Infantilly right after the draft lottery, basically. So uh, it should be up tomorrow, the next day. Um, you can find all my videos on uh, the Hockey News YouTube page and thehockeynews.com slash Game Tape with Tony, if I'm not mistaken, where I interview draft prospects. We go over some tape together. I get their input on their own game. And then we talk about movies, music, and stuff like that just to get to, know a little bit, get to know them a little bit off the ice as well. So definitely check out those. And then follow me on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari, where I'm frustratingly talking about the Leafs being terrible in the playoffs. I'm wondering oh, which no. of them I should trade. I'm I'm praising the red wings for their their constant drafting of my favorite prospects and usually <laughs> crap talking the ottawa senators for making every poor decision that they possibly could so it's all fun on twitter as well it is uh again tony appreciate it uh appreciate you coming on we'll probably be asking you a couple more times as the offseason progresses as i'm uh, pretty sure all the lockdown shows are having you on these days <laughs> you're you're pretty much a staple on the lockdown network but scotty do you have any final thoughts uh go tigers first off and we ball (laughs) we ball we'll be back with a new episode tomorrow so stay tuned same time same place see your team every day